If you've ever found yourself passionately curious, the type to soak knowledge and question the how and why, and think you might have the curiosity to push past average, push all the way to limitless, then welcome to Sales Network One. Sebastian Vivacqua is an expert on the human connection of sales in life and business, and he's here to evolve our thinking about the psychology of selling. You'll also hear from sales heroes, growth addicts, and rising stars on their strategies, methodologies, and techniques all tools you can use for your own limitless growth. It's the concepts, the fundamentals, even things you've heard before, but presented in a way that just makes sense. Now, let's get into it. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to another episode, guys. Today I have with me Freg Teonen and Jason van Eonen, they're both from Netherlands. How are you doing, guys? Great, man. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Great. Good to have you guys on the show. And, and, and for everyone, Freg and Jason are both from the Netherlands. And we're here today recording from Rotterdam. Uh, now, I wanted to introduce both of them. They're actually VR lovers, are very passionate about the VR experience. And they actually have their, their startups Playground VR, that's how it all started, which is uh, focusing on, on the experience to, it's, it's, a, it's a playground basically, and that's the experience for children. And then you have MedKit VR, which is the hardware side where all the apps will be sitting in there. So you have the apps sitting with MedKit VR. And I think you guys are doing great so far with, with, with building uh, your customer base and, and how you've quickly done it. So I think I wanna ask you guys, to share how you guys got started uh, in, in with with VR, so to say, and with MedKit VR and Playground VR. Yeah, uh, so we both have experience with VR. Uh, Jason will tell a little bit about his experience, but I my my experience, for example, is uh, in a theme park. I, I used VR to enable disabled people in a wheelchair uh, to to experience an attraction, and also that's where I got in touch with VR, and I really wanted to do more because I saw a lot of potential in it and also a lot of applications for healthcare in this case to be applied to. Awesome. Yes, yeah, so for me it's also, it started with the entertainment side first. So I got in touch with uh, VR, of course, everybody knows the VR roller coaster and the little multiplayer games. Uh, but then I got in touch with a company who was exploring the business side of VR, especially in the construction industry. So uh, I did a, a lot of research on how to apply this technology into the con very conservative construction industry. And you get that in terms like trainings or uh, data insights and how to use the technology to really make a business case around it. Uh, so that's where I started to apply uh, VR in a more business uh, way. Awesome, awesome. And uh, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about the sales cycle? Because of course, it's a little bit more complex now. You, you guys are on the medical side mm -hmm. with, with selling the VR experience. So therefore, the, the sales cycle can be a little bit com more complex. And that's where we're something we're talking about. It's, it's not the, the usual three, six months or, or, or whatever to close uh, a new customer. It takes up to, it could take up to two years, right? So let's jump back on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think like one of the industries that has one of the most 
most stakeholders is the healthcare industry. There are so many different levels uh, within hospitals uh, which have some stake in what kind of products are being used within hospitals. So often when you have a new kind of innovation, you come into the innovation team of a hospital right. and try, oh, does it fit with our needs? Uh, is there a place for us to test this uh, product? Uh, but before you uh, enter a real sales cycle, multiple people need to be involved. For example, the finance, uh, the, the advisory board of the hospitals, but of course also the nurses who are actually going to use the products. So all those people need to be aligned before you actually will get the sale within a hospital. So that takes a very, very long time. Yeah, I can, and, and I can totally understand that. So it's it's quite uh, tricky, and and you guys are in, at working very hard. So you 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 were mentioning that you've been all around the country, running around, because at the moment it's just the two of you, of course, building up. And uh, you you what, you're, what we were talking about is that you're getting a lot of early adopters, so to say, right? So you're building your prototype, and that's where I want to go into it further, because for listeners, it's interesting to to hear the experience from you guys, where building it from from scratch, up as a, a VR experience or with MedKit that has a lot of potential. So where do you see the future and, and, and can you maybe unpack on how it's going on that process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like our vision is MedKit VR to be like the main VR platform for healthcare. And of course, before you get there, there are a lot of different steps in between. Yeah. And what you see with VR in healthcare right now is that there are still a lot of experiments going on. So a lot of different developers trying out different applications, selling it to the hospitals uh, per app. And we want to integrate this to one whole platform, uh, which is lead by MedKit. So it has, of course, there's a little bit step, a lot of steps in between. Before you have a platform, you need to have contributors to the platform. You need to gather the developers and make sure you have a list of apps available in your platform. But of course, also for a platform to run to be for to be interested, interesting for the developers, is that you need to have a customer base who will use the platform. Exactly. So we're working on both sides. So first, um, working on uh, getting more. Uh, developers on our platform, apps that we can offer to hospitals, and on the other side, working on hospitals that will have implemented our platform, which makes it more interesting for developers to get in touch with us, because they have another sales directory uh, in the healthcare industry. Awesome, and, uh, and from your side, Frederick, I know that you, this is very, very a very exciting topic to talk about the, the future of VR. Yeah. So <laughs> when the, I, I can see already the, the, the smile on your face is looking forward for that, but the VR started in, in the 70s, right? And, and it's, the, in, I think this, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but this last decade, it's where it's really taking off and it's getting really popular. So I want to really hear from, you, from your side, where, where's, where's the future in, in your perspective going to head when, when it comes to VR? Yeah, so, but first, have you ever tried VR? I've tried it, yes. Okay, what was your first experience? My first experience was, yeah, I, I was a bit like lost. Like, well, what am I doing? I was in space. Okay, and space experience. Yeah, a, a space experience, and I felt like I, I really was there, basically. Yeah. So it was very uh, a strong experience, and, and I felt like the astronaut, so to say. But okay, nice. So it was, was a nice it, experience. Was it on a phone, or what kind of headset was it? What? It was actually on, like, this one. Uh, okay. So, okay. Like so this one. So, I, so like, it, this is, this. what model is this? Oculus yeah. Go. That's what we were holding up. Oculus yeah. Go. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it has been on the market now for a year, something like that. Um, but yeah, as you described a little bit, right, in, in, in space, I think one of the cool things about VR is that you, you see something, but you, it's, it's a sort of a holistic experience, you know? You feel it in your body, 
while you're just only seeing something. That's what I, I'm, I enjoy a lot about, about this new technology, is that it's, it seems so simple just to put a, a, a screen in front, of your, in front of your face, but it really does something with your body. And that's what I also believe, um, that's where it's gonna go in the future. That when you experience something in VR, it's gonna be just as good as when you experience it for real. You have been in space. That's, that's where it's gonna go, especially when it's a lie. So when especially, for example, for the space example, if you would have a 360 degree experience right now from the ISS station, it's the ISS, right? Yeah, yeah. from the International Space Station, you feel like you are actually there. And especially also for concerts, enjoying music and, 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 and social experiences, maybe stand-up comedy, that's going to really change in, in, the, in the future. You're also going to pay a lot to see that because it's just as good as being there. But right. to get there, the headsets, of course, need to get a little bit better, a little bit more realistic, uh, a little bit less heavy than they are right now. And when's that happening? When will that happen? I believe, uh, so, so if, if I believe the, the next leap will be in five years. When we have 5G technology also here, what you will see is that the, 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 the latency is gonna be a lot low, uh, lower. In five years, the, the screens will, will become a lot better. But when the screens become better, you also need more processing power, right? But now the processor is inside the headset, at least in this wireless. Right. Mode. And I believe more in wireless than wired, but that's no other thing. But so I, I believe the, the wireless headsets, which will become the most popular ones yeah. in the future, they will be just as good as the wired ones. But uh, we will need 5G in order to do that. So, and that's going to be here in four or five years. So that's going to be when things are really going to hit off. Now you will see the innovators, the early adopters doing it. Then it, it will go to the masses. I really believe that. Right, right. And I'm from your side. You're very passionate on VR. Both of you are. But I want to hear a bit more on how do you sell the experiential this experiential experience to, to customers when you're out there? Yeah, that's, that's of course the difficult one. As you said, we travel across the country because we need to bring the goggle and we need to put it on and then you can experience, for example, our virtual playground that we are creating. Um, it's something you cannot experience it from, from a video or from a phone or from a console. You need to be in there because otherwise you're observing it and not experiencing it. So if customers, if potential customers don't have a VR goggle with them, then we need to go and we need to give it to them. But then the problem is, of course, so we, we, we get a lead inside a hospital, for example. Yeah. Uh, you go there, uh, you, 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 you show it, but as usual, right, uh, in some case you have to go there, you have to return a couple of times because the first time you're not with the real decision maker. And that's a problem because that person is going to be very enthusiastic in most 90% of the cases, they're going to experience it and like, wow, this is cool. And then they are like, okay, but then they have to tell that to their supervisor or to a decision maker how cool it was. Then you have to go back, also uh, see that, uh, to show it to a decision maker. And that takes so much time. And that's the whole problem also with VR. I wish everyone already had a VR goggle and I could just send some applications to demo and to see. That's not the case yet. So in this case, if you're selling a VR application, you need to get the customers to you to show it on a VR goggle or you need to, yeah. To, yeah, to, to ship the VR goggle and, and yourself with the demo. 
to the customer. Yeah. It's it that also the sales cycle takes so much more time. Yeah, and I know you want to add more here, Jason. Yeah, so. it's a, it's it's a hassle, it's a challenge, because uh, you you can't sell VR without experiencing it. Uh, and especially what what, what Freek mentions is like that, that someone telling an experience to someone else, it's never as effective as having the goggle on. And also still the challenge with VR in the healthcare industry is like making the numbers hard. Um, like, okay, what kind of effect does VR actually have uh, besides just giving happy moments? Does it relieve stress? Uh, does it uh, make you someone feel less pain? Okay, how much pain? What's the difference between a regular medicine? And those numbers are very important uh, for the, the actual decision makers in the hospital who need to get the money down for the product. And before we're at that some kind of state that we already know that VR is, um, we, we know that VR relieves pain. We know that VR relieves stress through right. distraction. Right. But how much exactly? That's the challenge for the coming years to make sure that those numbers get there and that will help us to get the sales the trajectory down to for maybe two from a year to maybe six months. Yeah. All right. So that means that you'll be able to sell sell it a, in a different way, more stronger, so to say, with facts. Mm. Exactly. It's Statistics. Yeah. yeah. So That's to say. Also yeah. for the Dutch healthcare system, uh, be because we have this this social system, you know, cost needs to be low. So. Our best case would be if we could show that it reduces costs in some way, you know, but right. that's very hard to do. At least for now, it's very hard to do. So, yeah, we need to have another approach for that. Yep. Totally, totally makes sense. Uh, but I think you guys are, are up to something big here and then you're getting a lot of traction. So uh, I, I think uh, that the future is looking really positive for you guys. And I, I'd love for you guys to impact on the, your strategy too, on how you guys started with Playground VR and actually Playground VR is now part of a, an app within MedKit and how the future is going to go in that regards because I think you, you're doing it pretty smart on how you're segmenting it mm -hmm. and you're, you're separating, of course, the, the, the companies, although they are the same, uh, they're an app within MedKit VR or mm -hmm. the other way around, we started with Playground VR. Mm -hmm. you, you know that there is different, so to say, customers. So every, for each experience, it's a different type of customer. So that's why it made sense to separate. Exactly, yeah. So uh, maybe to tell a little bit more about our backstory. So uh, Freak and I, as VR enthusiasts, started with Playground VR a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's also interesting to tell, uh, because with this idea, I think maybe around four years old, five four or five years old. We pitched it back then, and then nobody was ready for virtual reality. Uh, two years later, pitched the same idea again, everybody was enthusiastic. So that's to see how important the development of the VR as a technology is. Um, so we really thought, okay, what can we, how can we use this technology to its full potential uh, as what it's capable of, like being somewhere else where you currently can't be. And that's mainly the case from Playground VR, like letting those children escape the hospital for a while. Uh, so we tried developing this app, but we saw more challenges than just implementing the app on a goggle. That's like implementing the goggle in hospital which is a way bigger challenge because how can you manage those devices? Who charges them? Who knows how to use them? Who knows how to clean them? Uh, and that's when MedKit VR came in. So uh, we use Playground VR as a really uh, important, um, unique feature of MedKit VR because Playground VR is embedded into every package of MedKit VR. Uh, and as well, uh, Playground VR can through MedKit VR 
gain a really strong position within the hospital. Uh, as we uh, already saw with six headsets, what makes it possible to let six children play together um, through the combination of Playground VR and Medkit VR. That's great. So I think that's a great strategy. And, and we're even saying that now it comes up the pro kit for, for the future as well. So that's going to be targeting businesses differently now. It's so yeah. Also, because we see that for healthcare, the sales cycle is so long. And of course, as a company, we need to, to be able to grow and also be able to have customers and, and to generate revenue. We believe that if we also uh, segment it for, for healthcare and then also for business, um, we can sell more the sales cycles in businesses are usually sh a lot shorter. Um, and we, we talk with so many VR developers now and we, we hear about applications that are great for healthcare, but also great for uh, businesses. So for example, relaxation, um, apps against burnout, uh, apps to train. That, that, you know, some of them can work for healthcare, but they can work very well for business. And they are also very interested in VR. They are contacting us uh, a, a lot of times. Uh, first, they want to ask and, and see, you know, what can we do with VR? Uh, so that's, that's some conversations about what is possible. But then they also, you, in, in the end, they would also would, would like to see it implemented, right? And that's where ProKit VR then could help. Um, yeah, basically the same as Medkit VR, but then targeted towards uh, businesses and with a different name. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I think it does, uh, in the end, like I wanted to summarize there, like, that the strategy, I think it's brilliant how you guys are separating uh, the, different, the different companies. Now, in, in, in terms of BR sales, where do you see all the challenges in general for not just you, but for other developers as well? So I would recommend anyone starting off developing applications for VR to really search for ways to to decrease the costs of development. Because what you see right now is that for VR, you need to, to create 3D models, for example, and everything you need to do to create VR applications, the costs are huge. So if you are yeah. a development company with 20 people, you need to make a lot of money to, to in, in order to, to give them food, right? In order to pay them all. So I know some examples of, of development companies with only two people, they get around, um, but most of them, I, I truly believe 70, 80% of the VR app development companies, they are running on investment. Uh, they are running on the, on the, on the promise that in the, in the future, a lot, of, a lot more businesses, a lot more individuals will have access to a VR goggle and will buy their applications. But for now, it's a very dark side of VR because the development costs are so high, a lot of those develop, uh, development companies are, yeah, are financially running dry. Yeah, a lot of them. All right, and, and from your perspective, how do you see it, Jason? Yeah, I think I totally agree with uh, what Freek says, but I, uh, what I think also is important to, uh, to take different kind of revenue models into account. Because if you uh, develop a, a B2B application, uh, for example, in the healthcare industry or in the, um, the wellness industry, think of other ways you can earn money with your VR application. So that could, for example, be the Oculus Store or um, uh, organizing events in which you promote your application in a, in a paid way. Um, try to see how can you get more value out of that single application. Uh, keeping that in mind is very important. Yeah, and also, yeah, platforms. So being on all the stores, yeah. that's, that's yeah. of course a good way. And also what I hear from developers is that web VR is of course truly great because then if you create a game, for example, yeah. you can either play it on a phone, but also on VR. 
And of course, everyone has a phone, so that's very accessible. So if you create a, a great game that works on mobile and on VR, then I think you're, yeah, you're, you're in a good area, for now at least. Mm -hmm. Until everyone has VR goggles, then I think that's a, a great way to go. Awesome. So it's been a great episode, guys. And I want to wrap it up with this final question. What's your advice for VR startups, for your key takeaways for them to go and apply? Yeah, that's a really good uh, question and a really, I think, uh, interesting answer uh, from our side is that we, uh, when we started Playground VR, uh, we tried to move as quickly as possible and to show and s our product to uh, potential customers. Uh, and because Freak and I weren't developers ourselves, we, we were thinking, okay, how can we make some kind of an MVP, uh, which allows us to make people experience Playground VR. Uh, and that brought us, for example, to standard 3D assets. You don't need to design everything yourself in order to show what you actually want to build. Uh, but it also um, gives opportunities, for example, to use not Unity 3D, but for example, try to program something with WebVR. Uh, some easier methods to get your point across uh, via different approaches. So standard assets, or do you want to maybe mimic some kind of situation in virtual reality? You don't need to program everything yourself in 3D. You can also use, for example, 360 video. Record the uh, real life situation and show what you want to achieve with VR. Uh, and that's the things that can be achieved really quickly. Uh, if you have the ideas, um, try to use one of those easy approaches. So standard assets, 360 video or web VR, and try to get your idea realized in an easy way. Excellent. I think those were great takeaways for, for people to go and apply. And I'm going to just leave it on that, on that note right there, very strong. And just a final question, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, so our website is medkitvr.com. Uh, everything to get in contact with their phone number, email addresses, that's that's on there. So that's the best way to go. Great. Well, thanks a lot so much, guys, for, for coming to the show. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time, for, for listeners, I'll, I'll, I'll leave some show notes of today. And again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope to see you in the next one. This has been Sales Network One, covering the concepts, the fundamentals, things you've heard others ramble on about, but in an innovative, exciting way that just makes sense. Join Sebastian again on the next episode. Subscribe now so you're first to hear it. And if you really liked it, give us a five-star review or share this episode with a friend. Our website is salesnetworkone.com. Hasta la vista, baby.